Well, good morning, everyone. We are very glad to have you here this morning with us. My name is Carrie Gleason. I work with our students uh, here at CPC. Um, we are in the last weekend of studying and looking at the Beatitudes. We've been doing this for the past uh, couple months where we have dove in and gotten up close and personal with each individual beatitude so that we can truly study and look at how Jesus invites us to live in this upside-down kingdom in an upside-down way. It's so much deeper than Jesus just casually making what may appear to us as confusing statements or telling people how to behave properly. N.T. Wright says that the Beatitudes are an announcement to a new way of living. It is good news, not just good advice. This way of Jesus' living is to live authentically, to live abundantly. He invites us into that, not just as an intellectual mindset, but to truly change the focal points of our lives. And so here is, on video, the last beatitude of Matthew 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who share their faith despite being mocked for it. Blessed are those who live counterculturally and are teased. Blessed are those who are put down because they speak the truth about Jesus, for they will gain insight into what is lasting in both this life and the life that is to come. For they will gain insight. For they will gain insight. For they will gain insight into what is lasting in both this life and the life that is to come. I'm going to read verses 10 through 12 from the message. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, but count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort, and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like you, I do, says Jesus. And all the heavens applaud, and I and know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Jesus is upside down living, and if you choose to follow him, if you choose to be all in for Jesus, then you will live upside down too, and you will live contradictory to the way the world lives. Persecution, according to Webster, is hostility and ill treatment, especially because of race or political or religious beliefs. It is persistence, annoyance, and harassment. 
So what does this mean? What does persecution mean for those of us who are in the United States and specifically in the Midwest? And what does it look like to the rest of the world? We have to acknowledge and understand that this sermon would be a lot different if we were citizens of China or Pakistan. There are people in the world who daily face life-threatening persecution for being a Christian. A couple of years ago, you may remember on an Easter Sunday, there were hundreds of Pakistani Christians gathered in a park to celebrate the risen Christ, and a suicide bomb went off, killing 72 and injuring 340 people. That is what the rest of the world faces for following Christ. Christianity Today reports on persecuted Christians from around the world using data from an organization called Open Doors. There's an annual list that's published of the 50 most dangerous countries in the world to be a Christian. The list examines all sorts of pressures faced by Christians from five different influences and spheres of life, private life, family life, community life, national life, and church life. And it also looks at the levels of religiously motivated violence. Here are the trends that they found in 2017. There are 215 million Christians who experience high, very high, or extreme persecution. North Korea, for the 14th year in a row, continues to be the most dangerous place to be a Christian. Islamic extremism remains the global dominant driver in persecution. It's responsible for initiating oppression and conflict in 35 of those countries. And Asia is the new center for concern with persecution rising sharply in Bangladesh, Laos, Bhutan, and Sri Lanka. This is what the rest of the world faces. But it is not unlike that which the church has faced for centuries. The people of God historically have been exiled, oppressed, killed, enslaved, jailed, tortured, harassed, and bullied for living contrary to the ways of the world. So what does that mean for those of us who live in the United States who don't face life or death persecution? Does it mean that we don't face any persecution? It shouldn't. Because if you are all in for Jesus, if you are living according to Jesus, if you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus then you do and will continue to face persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 says that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But still, Scott Sauls, a pastor out of Nashville, says that we need to acknowledge the awkwardness of this beatitude for those of us who do live in relative freedom and safety. So as we study this beatitude and what it looks like for us here in the United States, and again, specifically even in the Midwest, I think that there are two important questions that we have to ask ourselves. The first one is, do you see persecution in your life for following Jesus? Living out kingdom, I'm so glad. (laughs) 
Oh, I love children so much. Living out kingdom values in a world that generally rejects those values means that you should face persecution. Jesus doesn't say that we might experience persecution. He says that we will experience persecution. Scott Sauls again says that Jesus disturbed the, sa- the status quo. He messed with our agendas. He turned upside down our cultural comforts. If we always feel like we belong in culture, if we're never questioned or rejected or misunderstood, we have to ask the question, who is truly discipling us? Who are we truly following? Is it the whole Jesus? Or is it half of Jesus and half popular culture? Or half politics? Or half achievement? Or half image? Or half money? He goes on to say, does Jesus, does he step on your toes at all? Does what he asks step on your toes at all? We are much more comfortable with following parts of Jesus. The parts that are comfortable. The parts that are easy. The parts that we agree with. If you don't feel some tension with what you believe and with what the world believes or with how you act and how the world acts, then you might be following part of Jesus, but not all of them. Do you follow the whole Jesus? And does your whole life follow Jesus? I love that this beatitude, blessed are the persecuted, is after blessed are the peacemakers. Last week, Petey said, peacemaking won't always go well. It might lead to persecution. It might lead to discomfort. It might even lead to pain. Because when you're at peace with God, you will seek peace with all of your neighbors. And because of that, there will be people who do not like that. This is true if you follow the whole Jesus and not just part of him. Because he invites us to practice the ways of an upside-down kingdom in this world. Do you follow the whole Jesus? Does your whole life follow Jesus? The second question I believe that we have to ask in this beatitude is when we do experience persecution then, how do we handle it? Since Jesus says that it will happen to us, we've got to know how to handle it, don't we? And if we're going to live in an upside down way, then we need to respond in an upside down way as well. A few years ago, we had a student come out of Student Min who went to play D1 hockey on a team at a public university on the East Coast. And it is so interesting to me that how even in our freedom and our safety of practicing religious uh, beliefs and engaging in faith, that even in our country, that can be a little different depending on where you go and how accepted it is can be a little different with where you go. So this student went back east to play hockey, and she was swiftly confronted with a great deal of apathy towards and rejection of faith. But nevertheless, 
she persisted. She continued to grow in her faith and to live out kingdom values. And because of her sports schedule, it was really difficult for her to get involved in any campus ministry organization or find a church because she was gone so often. So she pursued Jesus much of the time on her own, which meant that she was living with people who didn't follow Jesus. She was studying with people who didn't follow Jesus. She was socializing with people who followed Jesus. She was skating with people who didn't follow Jesus. And she will tell you, and she will call later today and make sure I told you, that she did not do this perfectly because none of us do. But I will also tell you that I sat back and I watched her experience college to the full, but in a sharply different manner than most college students do today. I remember having conversations with her where she just had to admit that it was hard. It was. It was hard. She didn't have much Christian community and was the only one on her team who lived based on a different value system. But one thing that I love so much about her is that it didn't make her waver. She handled this isolation by continuing to walk forward with God. She handled her life being misunderstood by continuing to lean in and to love her teammates. She didn't run or hide or avoid people on campus. She just lived it differently. Those of us in Student Men have had college students tell us for years that they have friends who continuously give them a hard time for following Jesus and try to have them and make them and convince them and entice them to turn away from the way that they've committed to living. We make decisions on how we're going to live and who we're going to live for. And when we choose to be all in with Jesus, it means that we don't get everything that the world gives, and it means that we don't do everything that the world does anymore, whether that's in the boardroom or in a college dorm room. And so it means that people will look at us differently. It means that there might be hostility or rejection or mistreatment or harassment. When I started in youth ministry, there was a rumor that was started a couple years into it by a group of people that passed it around the community with, in, with where I worked and, and lived and went to church and, and met with students that the reason that I hung out with high schoolers so much was because I couldn't make any friends my own age. I've had family members and friends for years ask me when I'm going to get a real job. They don't understand. And it's okay. But sometimes those questions and those judgments they start circling around in my head. And on a really bad day, the questions and the doubts and the judgments make me question if it's worth it to live the way that I live. But great is our reward, right? When we are mistreated for being all in with Jesus.
Do you follow the whole Jesus? Does your whole life follow Jesus? Because if you follow the whole Jesus, you will face persecution and you need to know how to handle it. G.K. Chesterton says, the problem with Christianity is not that it has been tried and found wanting, but that it has been found difficult and left untried. We could walk away from God because of how hard it is. We could get mad or hostile towards the people who persecute us. We could become disillusioned with culture. We could retreat and not engage with the world. We could become defensive or self-righteous. Or we could keep going. We could keep living all in for Jesus. We could keep being the people who are the peacemakers and the justice seekers, the love bearers, the truth dwellers, and the grace carriers. As I was studying in this beatitude this week, I frequently go to this one website where it uh, allows you to see what Greek words and what Hebrew words were used uh, from, from the original translations of the Bible. And I found out that the phrase who have been persecuted is the Greek word dioko. And as I was looking at it and studied it, I thought to myself, I've studied that word before. And I flipped in my Bible to Philippians, and there enough, sure enough, was the word dioko because of a Beth Moore sermon that I had listened to. Paul uses the, the word dioko in Philippians three times. He's writing to a church group of believers, the church in Philippi, from a prison cell because of the persecution that he faced. And throughout the letter to Philippians, Paul is trying to help the followers of Jesus understand that they will face persecution. But in that, to have courage and to stand firm in their beliefs. Paul wants them to continue to live out the gospel. And so in chapter 3 of Philippians, he uses this word dioko three times. He says in verse 6, he's talking about it in, when he's talking about himself being a persecutor of the church. And then in verses 12 and 14, he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of for me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for God, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Dioko is the word for press on in verses 12 and 14. And it is also the word for persecution in Matthew 5 and in Philippians 3, 6. It means to pursue, to chase after, or to hunt down. But the context is what determines whether the word is used negatively or positively. The context determines whether it is positive or negative. In Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph, you remember, he was taken into slavery, sold into slavery by his brothers. He's talking to his brothers after he came out of it, and he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many. What you meant to harm me 
What you meant to hunt me down for, what you meant to reject me by or persecute me for, God took and he intended it for good. So I will press on. I will chase after Jesus. I will press on because I'm all in for Jesus. I will press on because I know Jesus is with me. I will press on because I know Jesus has overcome the world. I want to close by talking to those of you who are 25 and under. Because the youth pastor is up here, this is how we get to close. There might not be another season as difficult as the one that you are in to follow Jesus. You are in a pressure cooker. I see that every day working with all of you. And we adults cannot fully understand and imagine what it's like to live every single day for up to, if not more, eight hours a day with the same large cohort of people who are all dealing with the same hormones, the same emotions, the same stress, the same pressure to succeed and follow Jesus in the midst of it. We can't understand it. We lived it. And yes, we may remember parts of it. But we do not experience it anymore. And we did not live with the technological advancements that you live with. So because of that, I do believe that being in elementary school, middle school, high school, college, and our recent college grads is one of the hardest seasons to live through and be all in for Jesus at the same time. The persecution that you face, the rejection, the discomfort that you experience being a Christ follower when you're also trying to figure out who you are and where you belong is deep. So you guys who are in that stage of life, hear me say to you, press on. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. The intensity of this stage is not permanent. The ridicule you face, the rejection you experience, the mind games that are played with you, not getting invited to things or getting ridiculed for your beliefs and your choices, the intensity of that will end. You will still face persecution. But know that God is with you. Don't respond by rejecting others. Don't respond to it by retreating. Don't respond to this persecution with self-righteousness or the puffing up of yourself. But be with God in the midst of it and let God be with you. Keep both eyes on Jesus and press on. Do you follow the whole Jesus? Does your whole life follow Jesus? If it does, you will experience persecution. But rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Let's pray. God, we are mindful this morning 
that we have brothers and sisters in Christ halfway around the world who are studying your word in the basement of a house under the cover of darkness. Because if they're found out, they could face jail or death. And Lord, we pray for strength and for boldness for them. We pray that you will be tangibly with them. We pray that you would remind us and help us not take for granted the freedom that we live in to worship you freely. But Lord, even in the midst of that, we suffer persecution and rejection and misunderstanding as well. And so we ask, Lord God, for the courage to press on. To continue following you, getting to know you, allowing your love to transform our lives in this world. That we would not look to the things that shine so brightly for our attention, those other gods in this world, image and money, drive and achievement, but Lord God, that we would look to you fully. In your name we pray, amen.